Hi there, welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. I'm so excited for today's episode. Me too. Uh, because it's it's kind of a different style. Mm-hmm. We were kind of deciding between doing... Uh, a composer spotlight on the work of uh, legendary video game composer Kinyo Yamashita, except that so much of her beloved work was also a collaboration with another legendary video One game composer. One of my composer, favorites as well. Iku Mizutani. And so we thought rather than try to separate these two and focus on their individual body of work, we would just do a collaboration episode focusing mm-hmm. on the music that they've done together because that's something really worth celebrating these collaborations and the world of game music oh for sure and this these two composers definitely had one of the longest running collaborations in video game music that i can think of the name of today's episode is collaborators yamashita and mizutani uh this is really cool both of these composers got their start at konami and worked there just for a short amount of time um, but doing some great stuff and then moved on to basically be freelancers um, but most of their career working together was for the developer natsume very cool stuff. So to start out today's episode, we thought it might be nice to play one individual track from each of these composers, and they're both going to be very classic for this podcast <laughs> and for game music in general. Um, and this will hopefully help us. I mean, obviously, these composers are have a kind of depth to their composition that can go beyond just one particular track, but we thought yeah. it might be nice to discuss their individual characteristics through one yeah, of I love their that unique idea. pieces, and then talk about, because, you know, the, the thing that's interesting, and I think Carl and I can speak to the process of collaboration, since we've worked on lots of different projects together it helps Mm -hmm. that we're brothers but we've worked on lots of games together and collaboration doesn't just mean writing every single piece together. Most uh, of the time, not. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, this person takes one track, this person takes another. That being said, I still feel like the the music that you and I have created on projects where I'm doing one track, you're doing another, mm-hmm. it's very different than music that we would do on our own because there are yes. a lot of discussions about the tone of the music and yeah, what the what other, the other person's, creating. person's creating definitely informs it's like this this mutual kind of back and forth game of like ping pong or something where it's like one person creates a track and that gets an energy going for the other person they create a track and then that gets the same energy and maybe a slightly different energy going back to the original person i do feel like it's kind of like sculpting i don't mean to use Mm -hmm. a pretentious you know (laughs) metaphor but it's like you kind of discover the sound of it by whittling away so one person does something another person does something and before you know it it's like oh this is the sound of the project and it wasn't invented by one person there definitely seems to be an era maybe like the peak of these two composers working together where they did find this sound and, and I do kind of think of it as this classic Yamashita and Mizutani collaborative sound. And there's a couple of scores that I absolutely adore that we're going to be focusing on uh, that really have that. And it's slightly different than uh, what you hear in their solo scores. So really excited for this. What you guys heard playing in was a game for the Super Famicom. And, and that is a system that we're focusing heavily on today. That was probably the bulk of uh, the games that these two composers worked on together were for for the Super Famicom, Super Nintendo. That was Zen Nippon Pro Wrestling 2. And that was the theme of Jumbo Tsuruta. And again, that was composed by Kinuyo Yamashita and Iku Mizutani. Let's move on to uh, a solo Yamashita piece. And this comes from what put her on the map, 
one of the biggest games for the NES. This is Castlevania. And one of the pieces of music that Yamashita composed solely on her own, there's actually an interview where she talked about how uh, her and Terashima, they actually didn't, like what Will was just mentioning, they didn't collaborate on individual pieces. They each wrote their own tracks, and then, you know, that was how the soundtrack was made. So this is a Yamashita composition. Let's take a listen to the classic Wicked Child. You guys are listening to Wicked Child, a blood-pumping start to this episode. This is from Castlevania for the NES, composed by the wonderful Kinuyo Yamashita. Uh, she was joined by Satoe Terashima on this score, and um, it seems like the the most famous piece of music, Vampire Killer, was actually a Terashima composition. Uh, some of the more notable Yamashita compositions, other than Wicked Child, uh, Walking on the Edge, as well as Heart of Fire. Um, and so, yeah, what a wonderful collaboration that was between those two composers. But this is an example of kind of setting up uh, maybe Yamashita's style and, and really her <laughs> some of her strengths when it comes to, to classic video game music. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Yamashita's work on Castlevania is uh, when I think of Terashima, I, I think her stuff is, is so strong at capturing the atmosphere and the mood and the creepiness and... I guess the tone of Castlevania, but what I love about Yamashita's work on this soundtrack is it kind of, um, while I think it does some of those things, it, it is so focused on these really catchy pop-like melodies, really yeah. um, memorable, singable, and this kind of, this style of video game music that's influenced by rock and pop music of the time, mm-hmm. uh, and that sort of style, I think, does follow her throughout her career, though things were to change when I think of, uh, like, one of my favorite compositions of her from Mega Man X3. She wrote yeah. Zero's theme. That That's so good. She's so strong at writing these just emblematic melodies that stick in your head and are really well, it's, catchy. You know, it's funny, Will. I feel like the rock influence uh, is also something that she shares with Iku Mizutani. When you listen to his music, right. that is such a strong part of his music as well. So it really it really does make sense that these two composers, they must have just got along so well and been such good friends to work together for so many years. Uh, and they do have some similarities and some great differences in their sound and style. Well, that yeah, was I, Wicked I, Child. Yeah, Wicked Child, what a great piece of music. I mean, it's Classic. so balanced. Uh, it, 
every section is catchy. I like that the A melody, I mean, it has this long intro, but when you get to that, it's kind of chromatic and complicated, but every other section is as pure and simple as it can be. And it's just a great balance, I think. Let's move on to a solo Iku Mizutani composition. And after getting some more specific crediting, it looks like this amazing score that's a classic for the podcast, it looks like this was a solo Mizutani score. The other person that was credited and that we have probably credited as well before actually only did sound effects. So that's good to know. Iku Mizutani composed the score to Shatterhand for the NES. Uh, Let's take a listen to Area B, which does a great job of setting up the sound and style of Iku Mizutani on the NES. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Area B from Shatterhand. What a banger. This is composed by Iku Mizutani, one of my favorite video game composers, and probably a little underrated, I would say. Uh, this is from Shatterhand for the NES. Um, this was, I think, just before they started to collaborate together. So it's cool. We got to hear, uh, you know, a solo Yamashita composition from the late 80s. And then we get to hear this uh, amazing Shatterhand, which is actually from the early 90s. So I think the early 90s is when they started to collaborate together. Um, probably, I'm, I'm trying to, I wonder if it was at the tail end of while they were still at Konami, or was when they both started at Natsume. I'm not positive. Yeah, something that's interesting about uh, the more we've learned about Capcom, Konami, and some of these uh, game companies, especially from getting to talk to Takashi Tateishi, um, is that quite often the composer was just the composer and the person who was implementing everything was often the person doing the sound effects. What right. I think is interesting about that is that companies sort of have a stock sound. So when you listen to a Capcom soundtrack, it, it has all the earmarks of a Capcom soundtrack, the types of instrument tone production and the way that they utilize drums. Often the, the composer is still probably choosing some of those things, but mm-hmm. that's the thing that I kind of love but at the same time, it gives me a lot of respect for the way that companies like Nintendo at the time were doing it because some of the early composers that they hired were also the sound designers, were also the sound programmers. Yeah, so, uh, for sure. It, it's interesting, depending on what game company you're talking about, the composer had a different role, but I sort of really envy, uh, in particular, Iko Mizutani and Kinyo Yamashita. It, it must have been such a dream gig to just be composing music for video games, not yeah. having to deal with with some of the same kind of technical limitations, but just getting to use your imagination and write the best melodies you can and sort of condense it into this great sort of three-part 
voicing man i just I, I would give anything to go back in time and just work back in the 80s and 90s <laughs> oh my gosh absolutely yeah so i don't know the exact details of why she left uh konami but all all that i've heard is that it was just uh maybe a lot of stress uh, maybe a lot of pressure. Um, and so looking through the timeline, it looks like a little bit out of order. So the game that we're going to start with here uh, from their actual collaboration was when they were both still at Konami. So we have a Konami example, and it was actually from 1987. So it was quite a few years before what we just heard there with Shatterhand. And so this is a collaboration. I've actually never heard of this game before preparing for this episode. So this is a gem here. The name of this game came out for the Famicom is called Ki no Tori Hoohen Gao no Boken. That's uh, butchering it, but it's as close as I can get. We're going to play a couple tracks from this. Let's start off with track four from this Famicom game composed by Yamashita and Mizutani. God, that's classic. Have you ever listened to a piece of music and it feels like you've always known it your whole life because it's so good and so reminiscent of music that you love, but you've never heard it before? <laughs> that's the experience <laughs> I had this week. This is track four from Hinotori Haohen. Some other words uh, composed by Yamashita and Mizutani. Came out in 87 and it was a Konami game. Oh my God, this is good. This is so strong. I really feel like this is a Yamashita composition. There's certain... It's pretty clear. Chord progression styles, some melodic styles, certain things that really remind me of uh, her other work. What's interesting about yep. this, though, and this gets to the point where we're talking about how collaborations and, and the projects being different themselves mm -hmm. yield to different styles of music, but you couldn't just plop this in the original Castlevania <laughs> and have it feel right at home. It's a decidedly different style, and I do think some of that difference comes to the nature of collaboration. When you have multiple ideas on a project, even if they're not working sort of side by side on every composition, each person's creation affects the other and inspires them to go in different ways. But yeah, this is absolutely classic, and I think it's a mm -hmm. shame that this isn't more um, broadly known because it's every bit as strong as some of the most iconic. Yeah, music. I think part of that was that this was only released in Japan for the Famicom. It is based off of a manga, apparently, and it's an action platforming game, and it seems to be, I would say, a little bit lighter in tone than something like Castlevania, so it makes sense, sure. this direction. I love the bluesiness. Oh the my god, The bluesiness so of it is really cool, because it's this great mix of sort of rock, but also a little bit of, like, blues and chromaticism, and there's, like, a tinge of, like, classical darkness yeah. in there, too. It's this great blend. It's this kind of thing that only happens in... 
<laughs> video game music again it's like it's so interesting how so many of these styles and choices from composers in the early days of the let's say the famicom mm-hmm. really coalesced into this like a genre essentially for game yeah. music where there's reminiscence of oh that kind of sounds like this move from jazz and oh that kind of sounds like this move from uh, the classical period and western classical music and this sort of sounds like modern rock music but it all assembles into something different than any one of those and completely catchy and um, I think infectious. Well, let's play one more track from this score because it's just so good. This is track 10. Sorry that I don't have track names for this. From Hinotori Haohen. <laughs> let's take a listen. <laughs> Very sweet. You guys are listening to track 10. Very emotional. Has that quality that that other track has being so familiar and similar to so many other iconic pieces of video game music. It reminds me of so many other pieces that I almost can't, don't even know where to start. But it's so good. This is, again, composed by either Yamashita or Mizutani. This one is a little harder to tell. I feel like either of them could have been responsible for this. Well, it's interesting. You bring up a good point, Carl, um, because I agree with you about it being reminiscent, but there's times when a piece of music is reminiscent in a way that makes me feel like disinterested. Well, like it doesn't have enough substance to it on its own. Yeah, but this feels like it's reminiscent in the best possible way in that it's such a pure, beautiful, and genuinely arrived at melody um, Mm -hmm. that it just it's it's naturally going to feel comfortable it feels like a kind of thing you've heard before yeah even if you really haven't heard anything um that close to this it's so elemental and pure that oftentimes i've even noticed this for myself sometimes i feel like my best melodies are if i play it in front of a person they'd be like what is that from i know i've heard that before yeah that's a good I think when Compliment. I was younger, I used to like feel bad about that. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm a fraud or something. But mm-hmm. the the problem is, is it's not like they're. It, it's very different if they say like, oh, that sounds like X or that sounds like Y. But that feeling of like, what is this just from? Being I've heard familiar this. That just means that it's comfortable and it's something that mm-hmm. kind of fits in your ear in a natural way. And then, and then you're sort of like, what is this great thing? I've heard this before. And that's kind of how I feel about this piece of music that it's like, yeah. it's so classic, but I can't really think of one specific thing that it's similar to. Well, let's move on to the meatiest part of this playlist and their collaboration. Definitely the Super Famicom slash Super NES era. And they did so much great work on that system. Did a lot of sports games. Uh, it seems like Natsume was responsible for a lot of those. I can't speak to the quality on some of these video games. It's possible some of them weren't the greatest, but the music was outstanding. Let's play something from Zen Nippon Pro Wrestling. The first game, not the second game. We'll get to that again a little bit later. I know we played in with a track from the sequel. This is from the first game, which came out in 1993 for the Super Famicom. Let's play theme of Kenta Kobashi.
God, so good. You guys are listening to Theme of Kenta Kobashi from the Super Famicom game Zen Nippon Pro Wrestling, composed by Yamashita and Mizutani. God, I love their collaboration. Yeah, they are so comfortable on this system. It, it's it just it really feels like kind of uh, everything coming together. We heard their influences and their style on the Famicom, and it, it felt great. It felt really exciting, and they were pushing that system. Um, but they just feel so comfortable on the Super Famicom. And, right. and yeah, this this is so wonderful because it you can tell it's coming from really the same minds as that music that we've heard before, whether it's Shatterhand or even that Sentai Jetman, that amazing Mizutani Famicom score, or Castlevania. And yeah, I just, I absolutely adore these composers on the system. Yeah, me too. It's such a strong melody. Every little chord change is really nice. There's not too much crazy extended harmony, but there's a mm-hmm. nice use of chromaticism and surprising yeah. kind of like you'll arrive at a certain moment of a melody only for the harmony to be recontextualized, some sort mm-hmm. of borrowed chord, but a lot of it's transitionary. You know, a lot. sometimes with music, you'll be completely diatonic except for one moment and, oh, now we're in the flat seven or one moment and oh now it's the flat three chord you know what i'm saying it's like one big chord but yeah. this you kind of have this functional voice leading where there's a lot of this chromatic voice leading but it, it does this great job of again blending the line between more of like a pop rock kind of a sound something mm-hmm. more classical something more filmic it's it's really nice and it it just sounds like game music and that melody i mean oh my gosh it's, it's so just like strong. classic and konami classic capcom i know i've said it before and i'm probably gonna say it again it just has that classic quality where it feels like you've heard it before in the best possible way it's just it's on the nose really really well composed video game music Okay, we're going to move on to a score that I love. This is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which was developed by Natsume, at least for the Super Nintendo. Now, the other system versions, I can't speak to that. Different composers, for sure. But uh, Yamashita and Mizutani got to work on this score and did a really good job. One of the things that was very impressive was how they sampled and spliced together the actual TV show theme song for the title screen uh, and made it sound pretty good on the Super Nintendo. And they actually, what was really fun for me to hear, because I'm pretty sure that theme song was was by an American composer. Right. And what I love about that is they actually hearken again in their original score to that theme later on, which I think that's such a fun thing where it's this this Japanese show that was kind of... <laughs> lazily rebranded and to make into an American show then has this American theme song that these Japanese composers are then taking and and, and running with it so it's it's a really cool back and forth let's play a couple tracks from this let's start off with City from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers
God, that's good. And it's such a short loop. This is an NES-style piece of music. It's 48 seconds. It just comes in and out. It's not wasting any time. What's so amazing about their collaboration is when they're working together, they're both going for this one sound, and it's really anyone's guess who composed this. I could totally see it as either of them. My first instinct was Mizutani, but there's elements of this melody that could totally... You could tell me it was uh, Yamashita. So I just love their collaboration because it really seemed like they came together and just got such a great sound. Yeah, this track is, I feel like, as close to flawless as you can get. It's a, oh, it's it's a so sort of good. brief loop. It's incredibly catchy, and I and love exciting. that. Yeah, every functional part of it is memorable. So the really kind of mm-hmm. fast, harmonized guitar riff is still really catchy and the melody is just sublime i mean it's so well written it's that kind of time-tested video game chord progression i want to cover this song (laughs) yeah definitely that harmonized line would be so fun to play but again it's like it does feel wrong you almost would need like two guitars to do this justice though the thing is that i kind of i don't know it might be fun to do like a synth version Mm -hmm. of it because the thing about video game music of this era is even though they were imagining guitars it doesn't really sound like what guitar music well you know what i don't even know if they were this instrument is not it's not guitars i mean i feel like if they really wanted it to sound like a guitar they could have gotten closer to it like they've done in some other other snes scores to me this maybe this is kind of a synth rock feels how they were envisioning right. it. Right, the guitar element is more like the counter melody the right. you know. In any case, what a banger. Oh my god, that's so good. Yeah, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for the SNES. It's it's an amazing score, guys. And you know what else I love is I love the uh, Power Rangers the movie score for the SNES. That's also really good. Um, let's move on to one more. This is Building. Here we go. You know, if I was going to teach a course on, like, how to compose video game music in a classic style, I feel like there's going to be a lot of Yamashita and Mizutani examples. This is how you do it on the Super Nintendo. It's so good. This is Building from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Man, the soundtrack is strong. I'm really so digging strong. it. So strong. I know we've played stuff from it before, but, man, mm-hmm. I just, like, it's such a great reminder. Yeah, even um, for me, like, I've been, uh, you know, such a big fan of the soundtrack for years, but, you know, going back and, like, listening to it with this context, you know, especially going through all their collaborations and trying to pick the best stuff, it, it hit me just how good this is. Well, One of the, the strongest fun, collaborations. The fun thing of doing this podcast is uh, having episodes like this where we can recontextualize music we already know and also introduce some things that we've never played before it's always fun because it's not 
it's not really clear what's the best way to contextualize a piece of music. Do you look at it just from the perspective of who the composer is? Do you look at it from the perspective of the series, from the individual game? Each one yields sort of a different look, a kind of maybe what was behind whoever wrote it or the mandate. But what's fun about right. this is we kind of contextualize lots of music by two different composers over a span of essentially a decade or more. And we're kind of looking at some of their stylistic traits, but certain things will poke out that remind me of a solo Mizutani thing, a solo Yamashita thing, and other things that they've collaborated on. And there's something really fun about hearing this music in that context, where if we were just looking at Power Rangers, let's say, we might miss out (laughs) on some of that. Well, let's get back to the world of sports and relaxing sports. This is a Super Famicom, very obscure, one of the most obscure games probably that they worked on together. This is called Fishing to Bassing. <laughs> wow, that's a weird title. Um, it could be Fishing to Basing. Like maybe you start fishing and then you learn the bass and then that's what it transitions to in the game. Anyway, this is a track called On the Beach and this was again collaborated by Yamashita and Mizutani. That's a nice change of pace on today's episode. This is On the Beach, the first track in a while that's not rocking, um, which is nice to hear a little bit of the range, because they do have range. This is composed by either Yamashita or Mizutani. This is a Super Famicom game. So the game is called Fishing to Basing? Fishing to Bassing. Since it's a fishing game, I imagine bass would... I've never heard bass used as a verb. I'm going to go bass for a while. I don't know what's the difference between bassing and fishing. I think that the full name of the game is like a, a famous person's name. And the, it's like blah, 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 fishing to bassing. I don't know if it's a fi- like a fisherman or I, I have no idea. Maybe bassing but, uh, is just fishing just for bass. <laughs> it's more but, specific fishing. So going from <laughs> fishing to bassing. Just kind of honing in more on maybe what you're good at. But apparently this is on the beach. Uh, I guess, yeah, I guess you're on the beach bassing away. <laughs> I like this chord progression. It, it gave me very um, a little bit of sort of like Sonic vibes. I don't know why, like oh, Sonic 3 or something. 
Um, but yeah, really pretty, kind of a nice departure, getting away from some of the rock energy of the tracks we've been listening to, but still very melodic, really catchy, and in general, it's nice. Yeah, I enjoy the sort of diversity on a playlist of getting something a little bit more happy-go-lucky or carefree like this. The full title is Shimono Masaki no Fishing to Bassing. All right. Oh, no fishing to bassing. That's important. <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to stay in the fishing world, and we're going to move on to my favorite collaboration from these two composers. Maybe the best fishing soundtrack. <laughs> the best fishing soundtrack of all time. This is Mark Davis, The Fishing Master, uh, which was released um, in Japan under the title Omono Black Bass Fishing and released under what I just said in North America. Uh, so yeah, finally the whole world got to hear their amazing fishing music. No, this. Do you think this Mark mu- Davis ever listened to this music? I hope so. I hope. I like to think that he's grooving out to this to this day. Um, yeah, this is great because this does feel like an amalgamation of all of their experiences so far, and it does feel like that amazing collaborative sound that I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. When I think of them as a team, this is the sound I think of. It has rock influence. It has beautiful soaring melodies. There's some jazziness to it. It's more relaxing than would be fitting in a series such as Mega Man or Castlevania, clearly. Um, But you you still get their compositional style that I just love so much. We're going to play three pieces from Mark Davis. Let's start off with Spring. This is so good. You guys listening to Spring from Mark Davis, the Fishing Master. One of my favorite scores, which is, I know it's kind of silly because it's it's in a fairly obscure fishing game. Well, not as obscure as, as the one we just played, but I love this music so much. And it's because it's from some of my favorite composers, Kinuyo Yamashita and Iku Mizutani. And I have a feeling that Mizutani was more of the one in charge of the implementation when they worked on this, the SNES, because I know there's some information, some technical information on how Mizutani handled SNES music, and he really knew what he was doing. Apparently what he would do is he would create MIDI files. In this case, both of them would probably create MIDI files. Then he would load those files into a debugger where he would, where he would convert the MIDI file to text and then he would modify the music in the debugger. Uh, then he would initialize it. Apparently, he used uh, a lot of samples from different Roland devices. Don't forget to plug in uh, the flux capacitor when you <laughs> initialize it. Yeah, apparently some of the Roland devices he he sampled 
back then were the S330, the D550, the SC55. I think that's like a similar, like, so, like maybe the sound canvas, I believe. Interesting. As well as the Yamaha TX802. Um, yeah, in any case, I mean, some of the best sounding Super Nintendo music. I love the guitar tones they got together. Yeah, definitely. Really catchy stuff. This is sort of a unofficial classic for this podcast. We love Mark it Davis, is. the Fishing Master. There's a it's moment too years long, ago that I really laughed at you because you you introduced a Mark Davis Fishing Master track as though it mm-hmm. were you know something from Mega Man, as though right. it were something like and now an absolute, absolute classic, classic, Mark Davis the Fishing Master. I do. <laughs> to I my think defense, I just laughed out loud. I do think I was like twenty percent being silly, but eighty percent not being silly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so strong. It should be a classic. This track is beautiful. Can we talk it about is. some of the really fascinating wandering harmonic movement? That mm-hmm. really interesting descending chromaticism. And then I love that final section where you have that chord that kind of becomes augmented and then becomes a six chord and then goes back to being augmented. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's so gorgeous and it, it's this really beautiful sound. Again, so much more emotionally rich than you would need for Mark <laughs> Davis, the fishing master. I mean, yeah, I, they, they really, they went so all out strong. on the score and there's this, in, this kind of combination of jazz and really careful and emotional and kind of sometimes challenging and, and maybe experimental uh, music combined with groove and rock that you don't really hear in any other point in their career. And it's a very special score, whatever they were trying to accomplish or whatever they were inspired by. They just really hit something special with, with uh, this Mark Davis score. So I love it so much. Let's play two more because it's so good. Uh, let's now move on to a season that uh, we just passed, summer. Let's take a listen to this from Mark Davis, The Fishing Master. X3 territory a little bit here. God, this is good. You guys are listening to Summer from Mark Davis, The Fishing Master. We won't hear Fall today. It's it's a good track, so listen to it on your own. Um, I just think that Spring and Summer were a little bit better, especially this summer. This is an amazing piece of video game music. And yeah, it is a little bit silly if you think about this game. I mean, it's got to be kind of a boring game. I mean, you're just literally... <laughs> I don't know, it's like a fishing simulation game on the Super Nintendo. How how enthralling can it really be? But 
Uh, I feel like the music, you know, has to be one of the most <laughs> entertaining elements of this game. It's so good. Yeah, this is one of the best tracks we've played all day. It's a, such a catchy melody. And the thing that I love about it, it's so simple. Like, the chord progression is really yes. basic. And I definitely feel like this one is Yamashita. Not actually I think it is. just because it reminds me of the Zeros theme in the B section, but the way that she'll have a really specific phrase of pitches and repeat it a lot. It's very yeah, similar to, if you think about point. Wicked Child, she mm -hmm. really kind of hammers home the same line that in and of itself, ba -da -ba 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 -da -da, that that's pretty advanced, but by repeating it so much yeah, and giving it, it this head. really sensuous kind of harmonic you know, I, underpinning. So such a good point. You know, something I definitely want to talk about a little bit today, and it doesn't make sense that I, I believe Mizutani was doing more of the implementation side of things when they work together, probably doing the drums because Mizutani's drum writing from the very beginning, from something like Shatterhand or even earlier, all the way to, you know, his work on the Game Boy Color or even beyond, his drum parts are always so natural and exciting and just better than any of his counterparts. His drum writing is always so stellar, and I still hear that in this score. If you listen to the just the volume changes of the hi-hat samples, and it's just it really feels performed, and that's not easy to, to get that effect on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Gosh, what a great track. Both of these, spring and summer, man, they're almost as good as the seasons they represent. They really are. They're tough to beat, but hey folks, we're going to move on to this week's Track of the Week. This is Tournament Stage from Mark Davis, the Fishing Master. My favorite track in the score and my favorite piece of music that I think they've ever collaborated on. It's really, really good. Let's take a listen to Tournament Stage from Mark Davis, the Fishing Master. Oh man, that's so good. You guys listening to Tournament Stage from Mark Davis, the Fishing Master, composed by Kinuyo Yamashita and Iku Mizutani. This is so beautiful, and the groove on this is, it's just masterful, the way that the bass and drums are locking in, and how that's combined, how that's like helping to support the melody, and it's filling in all the gaps. Every element has really its own place, and oh, this is just the best. 
I'm I love this track so much I'm tempted to do something I don't think we've ever done which is just play this track again entirely from the beginning <laughs> it's so strong like I almost just want to just start it over and not say anything it, everything about it I mean well let's let's start it over while, quietly as we keep talking about man, it here the melody listen. is so good the chord progression is so beautiful I love how it finally gets back to the loop it's a long form yeah but I, I also love just what an earnest piece of music it is they, they really went all out to make just such a beautiful and heartfelt melody but it's presented yeah. in a groovy fun way with this kind of distorted rock guitar it's the type of thing you only get in video games and well it's real it really does have something for everyone it's pleasing everybody i mean if you like rock you're gonna at least enjoy the i guess the guitar if you like like kind of fusion or groovy kind of music i feel like you're really gonna like the you know the bass and the drum groove but if you're a sensitive soul you'll also like it because <laughs> it has that beautiful sort of descending kind of wipe a tear mm -hmm. out of your eye mario 3 end credits end of the summer you know <laughs> might might be the end of the summer season in this game who knows god that's so good tournament stage hats off to yamashita and mizutani their work on that score sadly we're going to leave it but we're going to move on to a score that came out, I think, in the same year and really captures the same style in a way. A little different, but it's that kind of classic mid-90s magic that these two composers landed on. And we heard a play-in track from this game. It's Zen Nippon Pro Wrestling 2. That amazing track you guys heard, again, was Theme of Jumbo Tsuruda, which is so good. We're going to play one more now. It's Theme of Akira Taue. gotta say 95 was the peak uh definitely the peak of yamashita in a lot of ways same year she you know contributed to mark davis she contributed to this score as well as Mega man x3 all in one year holy moly this is outstanding. To me, the unsung star of this track is sort of the last few seconds of the loop that Oh, that's really cool and catchy. I love when that part is harmonized. Oh god. Yeah, it's it's so rocking and it this is another track that feels like it could fit into Mega Man X3. But what I love about her work on X3 and really a lot of her rocking video game music is there's such an earnest emotion. It's kind of beautiful and serious and uh, I don't know there's just something about it like you listen to a lot of other rocking VGM and it definitely doesn't have the same emotion to it yeah 
Yeah, the, there's just something about seriously. that line that really makes me think of the original Star Fox for some reason. Just this kind of really intricately composed, repeated ostinato. There's something about the... Like, it's just a really mm. brilliantly written line, and it's very catchy. And again, all of their music, it's this nice balance of... The energy of it is rocking and satisfying, but there's this underpinning of emotionality of kind of something hmm. melancholy. We we did a panel at MAGFest last year, and Marty talked about this thing called melancholia, the sort mm-hmm. of the the harmonic language of like J-pop and Japanese popular music. And I do think that's a big part of gay music where it's like the energy and the tone and the aesthetic of it is maybe rocking and intense, but it, yeah. it's multiple emotions simultaneously. The music underneath has a bittersweet quality. It's it's positive, but also sad. And that yeah, kind of tension it, makes it interesting. It's so interesting because you're hearing that emotion with a rock group, like this, you know, kind of fake rock group. And so, yeah, it's it's a definitely a mix of emotions. And talking about bittersweet, we're going to get that emotion with this next uh, entry from this score. This is a pretty obscure Super Famicom game I have also never heard of before preparing. Uh, and it's also really hard for me to say. <laughs> um, I really don't know how to say this, but I'm just going to say Hayan Fuunden. Uh, three U's in a row there. Wow. Is that four U's? Three or four U's in a row. Funden. Um, again, composed by Yamashita and Mizutani. This is a nice change of pace. Let's take a listen to the very relaxing Hometown. You guys are listening to Hometown from a game that is hard to pronounce, Hayan <laughs> Funden for the Super Famicom. This is a good score. Um, yeah, it, it's it must be. I don't know anything about this game. It must be more of an RPG style because the music is a lot more relaxing, and there's these different locations uh, that kind of remind me of classic RPGs. But um, yeah, this, this is a good score. Probably my favorite uh, track that I found from the score. Gorgeous melody. I love those large melodic leaps, you know, from the ninth to the seventh, um, or not necessarily from the ninth to the seventh, but anything that either starts at the ninth, starts at the seventh, jumps down, or starts at the, yeah. you know, it, it, you know what I'm talking about, those kind of big leaps that land on mm-hmm. not a necessarily stable chord tone. That's something that Koji Kondo Very does pretty. so much in the Zelda series, and it's something that has that kind of, that same thing, that melancholia we were talking about, that tenuous quality in a piece of music this is an incredibly catchy melody though and again it's hard to tell who did it but we were talking about 
about Yamashita's use of repeated melodic phrases, and that's something that's right front and center. Yeah, with this one this. has a lot. Da, 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 da. Again, it's kind of a complicated line, but the repetition makes it comfortable, and uh, not just mm-hmm. repetition where it's like it plays twice before it moves on. It kind of winds back around and happens in a different context later on in the melodic. You form. know what I wonder? I wonder if Yamashita was subconsciously inspired by the ease theme, Fina. Da, 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 da. There's kind of a similar quality to the beginning of that melody, too. Yeah, I kind of think this is better. I just, I so adore this track. This is maybe one of my favorites we've played all day. It's really good. It's a nice change of pace. Well, let's get back to some rocking energy, and this is fun. We're moving on to another really good collaborative era for them. It's It was interesting as the Super Famicom winded down, they did some work uh, for the PS1, which I checked out, which was okay. A little bit of growing pains, I think, there with that system. They did some work eventually for some other consoles, which we'll hear a taste of. Um, but they did a lot of work for the Game Boy Color in this era, late 90s, early 2000s. Let's start off with a track from the game Metarot 3. This is BGM 48. This one is really good. Let's take a listen. so fun to hear them now back on an 8-bit system again such a treat after we had that long era you know really kind of exploring some different directions in the super famicom going back to the basics in, in some ways for metarot 3 for the game boy color god this is strong it has all the sort of earmarks of their music and what i yes. love these kind of kind of harmonized and shreddy fast guitar riffs with a little hint of blues and chromatic Mm -hmm. color Uh, really strong track and it's also fun just you were talking about kind of leaping into the playstation era and maybe how it was hard for them to find their footing but then you go back to this 8-bit sound and they're just as they're like oh i know how to do as ever it's like we're back in the 80s again it's just awesome well it feels like we're back in the 80s this came out in 2000 for the gbc and you could have told me this was you know 1992 for the original game boy or something it's god it's so good i absolutely love this track you know what i want to say that we actually played this on our game boy music you may not have heard episode Oh, interesting. So if you if you like this kind of music, you should... That, I really, really loved that episode. That was one of my personal favorite 
playlists uh, that we've had. Um, so I'm going to give a couple shout-outs to some other collaborations. So that's actually it for consoles. We're going to hear um, a couple of other collaborations on some handheld systems before we go. But there were some other console collaborations. It looks like they collaborated on a total of around 18 games together. And it looks like we're covering around 12 of their collaborations. Uh, And then we had, you know, we had those two solo tracks. Um, So they did, like I said, do some stuff on the PS1. The game that they did on the PS1 was called Digital Figure Aina, which I did listen to, and it was okay. Um, A lot more work on the Game Boy Color. We're going to move on to some Game Boy Advance entries. But they did a game on the GameCube, actually, together called Metabots Infinity, which was pretty good. I did consider playing out with that, um, but we're actually going to play out with another wonderful Super Famicom game that I thought edged it out a little more. So just a little more of a shout out of some other other collaborations. But let's move on to um, one more Game Boy Color collaboration, and this is Croc 2, BGM 13. Let's check it out. guys are listening to bgm 13 from croc 2 kind of an experimental piece of music the structure of it is um pretty classic and traditional but some of the chords that they land on are very spicy and dissonant um yeah this one i was going through the score and this one stood out to me a lot well and just there's a lot of parallel fifths yeah um which is a kind of a cool thing oftentimes in uh for whatever reason a lot of Japanese composers especially this era love parallel fourths as a Mm. means of kind of outside harmonic motion so they'll essentially write a melody and just harmonize it in strict perfect fourths either above or Mm. underneath and it means that you're going to get notes outside of the key it's sort of a form of bitonality but for whatever reason that fourth sound tends to work in a melodic way in a more natural way where when you have parallel fifths it's a much brighter sort of sound the sound of fourths is more kind of dark and it brings yeah. you on the flat side of the circle of fifths where when you have open fifths it's like woo it's super shiny and bright and so that's what this track sort of exploits in certain moments so there's that kind of sound of outside chromaticism from a really sharp or a bright side of the circle of fifths I, I think these composers had fun with the score to croc too i was about to skip over it you know, i was listening through it and a lot of it is um more kind of like kid kind of childish music like very cartoony and right not that amazing and i was just about to pass over it and i got to this bgm 13 and i was like oh this is definitely a completely different direction and kind of maybe reminds me of of maybe how they would have approached uh this type of 8-bit music back in the 80s because there's something kind of creepy about it uh so it must be some sort of creepier (laughs) part of this seemingly more colorful game but 
Let's move on to the Game Boy Advance, and we're going to have a couple of different games that we'll be able to close out our episode with. And this was interesting. Uh, This is a very early Game Boy Advance game, and it was kind of fun to track down this info to find that they actually were the composers for this particular version of Monsters, Inc. for (laughs) the Game Boy Advance. Insane. The first collaboration between Randy Newman and the composer from Castlevania. (laughs) Yeah, so a lot of different ports, a lot of different versions of Monsters, Inc. This is the only one that they collaborated on. Uh, Just crazy to find that out. And I will say that on the Game Boy Advance, I think they also had some challenges, some growing pains. Some other samples and some of the implementation doesn't sound all that great. And I think they had some some struggles maybe working on this system. But it's interesting to hear it historically and to see what they were able to do. So let's take a listen to levels 14 through 18 from Monsters, Inc. Fun. You guys are listening to levels 14 through 18 from the GBA version of Monsters, Inc., surprisingly composed by Kinuyo Yamashita and Iku Mizutani. I do prefer Randy's take on the <laughs> world of monsters and so funny. scaring. Yes, some of their earlier pieces in the score are closer to that style, more jazzy and fun. Um, this one must be some sort of chase level or something. Um, yeah, it, it, none of the none of the music um, wowed me that much, and I, I just mostly thought it was an interesting kind of historical thing to see what some other later collaborations were. Oh, sure. And to me, in my mind, it feels like they're definitely not as comfortable working on the system. It, it's funny that, that even sense. sampling, it sounds like they're sampling Game Boy <laughs> sounds, which is weird because you do have those legacy channels, so they could have just used those. But doesn't it kind of sound like they're sampling like retro sounds? It sounds, I mean, some of them remind me of Super Nintendo, but I mean, that's just like Game Boy. I think they're using more of the legacy channels than the they're maybe just using one sample um Mm -hmm. instrument but yeah it definitely has kind of it's not the most polished sound i've heard (laughs) a little interesting tangent just because i mentioned randy newman carl i recently went back and i was showing emma those mad tv randy newman uh, oh the will sasso oh my god those are funny and then i went down a, a rabbit hole and i uh went through all the old john madden things like the john madden quick pop popcorn popper those are so funny oh my god i you showed that to me when i was a little kid ages yeah they're still funny they're Mm -hmm. i think the that those old man tv he burns himself yeah oh my god i can't put some butter on it i can't get this butter packet (laughs) butter packet yeah well let's let's end our episode with one more gba example before we play out with a great super famicom kind of obscure entry this is a game called 
Shingada Metarot. That's the same series as we played earlier, Metarot 3 uh, for the GBA. And they did, they definitely are more comfortable now working on the system. This sounds really good. And so they were able to figure it out maybe a little more. This is a track called Iris Has Been Kidnapped, again from Shingada Metarot. Let's take a listen. very interesting to hear these composers brought into at the time a different era more of a modern era seeing how they fit it really seems to me that these composers belong in the 8 and 16 bit era and i'll always kind of think of them that way because they composed so much amazing music for the nes and the super nes and the game boy just outstanding composers this was a lot of fun to explore their collaborative career yeah i want to do more like this but i don't think there are that many instances of Mm -hmm. you know collaborations between just two composers that span as much time as these two do but we definitely want to find those instances i mean there's people like you could take the uh two principal kirby composers that have worked together yeah that's true but it's like they work together mostly right but but also, the Fallens didn't have that long a career, and after a mm-hmm. while, it was mostly just Tim. That's and true. And the Kirby composers, it's like, they mostly just worked on Kirby, so they'll be like doing a Kirby episode. That's so funny. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting point. to... I want to see, though, and feel free to either on our Discord or send us a message if you have yeah. an idea for kind of another great collaboration episode, because we really enjoy doing these. Absolutely. We want this to be kind of a new series. Uh, We're going to play you guys out with the ending from Casper, the Super Famicom version. This was also hard to find. Apparently, there's a lot of different versions of Casper. And there's even, I want to say, a Super Nintendo American version that is an entirely different soundtrack. And so this is the Japanese version of Casper that was composed by these wonderful composers. And this is the ending theme, a great way to send you on your way. What a fun episode. We hope you guys enjoyed. Let us know what is your favorite collaboration from these two. And absolutely some, some other ideas for future collaborators episodes. Yeah, at the time of recording, this is the day that we're having our show at the Hook and Ladder New Game Plus. Exciting. Uh, we're playing with two other bands, but at the time you're listening to this, that will already have happened. So, um, <laughs> uh, thank you for coming, or um, I'm sorry you couldn't make it if you didn't come. <laughs> uh, I always feel weird. We'll have some video. Yeah, we'll have some video. I think we're going to... Um, uh, our good friend Aiden, who actually took all the amazing one-take videos that 
kind of more of the quote-unquote studio videos we've done. He's actually going to be coming and, and trying to take some video of the show as well. So hopefully we'll have some some cool video to share with you guys from the show. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I look forward to it because that show that we played last year was my favorite that we've ever done. The sound yeah. was great. I felt like the energy was really high. So I'm I'm looking forward to another good time tonight. It's going to be super fun. We're going to play you guys out with the ending from Casper. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>